This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Shika Pakire is a seasoned B2B marketing professional with over 15 years of experience tackling the challenges of marketing, be it defining strategy for a region, brand building, extending the reach with the help of public relations, managing and organizing events, participating in trade shows, managing the budget, and of course, creating demand generation goals and keeping a hawk eye on all of the revenue generating opportunity pipelines. Shika Pahide, welcome to Client Side. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. Um, it's really great uh, to have uh, the conversation with you today and uh, Happy New Year to everyone who is listening to us. Happy New Year to you as well, even though we're in we're in lockdowns here in, in the UK, uh, but I'm sure we'll get out of it soon. You get your master's in international business in 2003. What first attracted you to marketing? So uh, during my initial years of sales and business development, uh, I had the opportunity to meet clients from across the globe different cultures, understand their needs and recommend improvements in the products back to my product team. So my on-the-ground experience working directly with clients led my mind racing on how and what will be the ways to market the products to them, uh, how we can equip them with the information even before the first conversations happen with sales. So here I'm talking actually about the times 18 years back. Uh, so of course, you know, that time we were, we did not have those very robust email marketing, forget about social media. Mm. So those were the things which really attracted me because I was on the ground, you know, talking about my product and then making them aware that what the product is all about. Mm. So that was uh, the time which uh, led me, uh, you know, in this interesting field. Really interesting. You you spent the early part of your career traveling and, and dealing with different cultures across Asia, Australia, the UK and New Zealand as well. What perspective does that give you on the way that marketing is done around the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's very interesting though. So though at the center of the circle, we need to market to humans and the need is same across the globe, wherein, uh, you know, where the need to be made aware, what are the solutions which can solve their current challenges, but still everybody has their own prejudices and conceptions. So hence each region brings its own idiosyncrasies and the way we need to design the marketing campaigns for them. Unless one is open to experiments and does not float away with that concept, one size fits all, success is not guaranteed in this regional marketing space. Couldn't agree with you more. You joined Bentley Systems in 2008. For those that don't know, what does the company do? What problems does it solve? And who are some of its customers? Mm-hmm. So at its core, uh, Bentley Systems is a software development company uh, that supports the professional needs of those responsible for creating and managing the world's infrastructure, including roadways, bridges, airports, skyscrapers, and industrial and power plants, as well as utility networks. So Bentley delivers solutions for the entire life cycle of the infrastructure asset tailored to the needs of the various professions, be it engineers, architects, geospatial professionals, planners, contractors, fabricators, IT managers, operators, and maintenance engineers, you know, who will work on and work with that asset over its lifetime. So comprised of integrated applications and services built on an open platform, each solution is designed to ensure that information flows between workflow processes and project team members to enable interoperability and collaboration. Let's let's talk a little bit about B2B 
sales and marketing in, in more detail because that's your that's your background and that's what you've been doing for Bentley Systems for quite some time now. In in the pre-interview, we discussed the fact that sales and marketing are still struggling to get on the same page. It's, it's a perennial problem with, with sales and marketing teams across the globe and across many different industries. What can be done to improve the way sales and marketing works together? Yeah, this subject is very close to my heart. You know, how sales and marketing can work together. So the most important aspect is that, you know, what the teams need to have is regular conversations. I think this is at the crux. This is at the core of the entire uh, gamut, which can um, actually solve all the challenges uh, which work around this particular topic. You know, this is a key to have a seamless workflow and improve the coordination between both the teams. Define the SLAs so that all are clear of the expectations. Define the company objectives and those need to be aligned with sales and marketing initiatives. I think this is the key. Hmm. And then talk a little bit about the B2B sales cycle. You know, depending on the size of the deal, sales cycles can be very, very long. Um, You know, often many years they involve multiple stakeholders. How, how should marketing really be thinking about supporting sales over the length of a sales cycle that can last two, three, sometimes even four or five years? Yeah. So actually, you know, marketing's job doesn't finish when a lead is handed over to the sales. And yes, sales is not the only stakeholder with whom marketing works, which we all know about it. So the conversation cycle with the prospect cannot stop once the lead moves to the sales bucket. Instead, after the handover, it becomes more important that the prospect receives relevant information and the learning journey continues. Similarly, when the prospect turns into a customer, then the post-acquisition message comes, which should be worked along with the customer support team. You know, after this entire cycle, organization would want that the customer is acquired for a lifetime and also becomes our advocate. Hence, the messaging needs to be divided for the, you know, the pre-buying stage during the buying stage and post buying stage completing the entire life cycle model so so let's talk a little bit about brand building we we know that it takes a long time to to build a brand brands are not built overnight um but a lot of marketers really can't afford the time that it takes to build a brand because the c-suite generally have very short time horizons and they really want to focus on sort of short-term sales activation, but at the expense of that longer-term brand building. What should the balance be between building a brand versus demand generation? Uh, To be honest, it should go hand in hand. It doesn't matter if this function is handled by two different teams or by one team. Building a brand is a continuous activity. You cannot presume that you're engaged in a brand building exercise and for the next 12 months, nothing needs to be done. But at the same time, your sales team is clamoring for leads. So I believe brand building is intricately linked to your demand generation initiatives. Hmm. Your background in in history is really fascinating as well. You're a published author. You've self-published three books and short stories um, so far. I think you're still working on on others, fiction or or nonfiction. And, And talk about what the process has been like to write a book. To be honest, um, I really feel that uh, writing uh, is and was, uh, is is kind of a meditation exercise for me. Mm. So uh, coming back to that, you know, all my self-published books are in fiction right now. And then um, it was not something that uh, 
I was thinking that, okay, you know, this is a day when I'm going to write a book or probably, you know, uh, this is a time when I'm going to be publishing my book. So uh, when I was, um, uh, I think around 35 or 36, um, that was uh, one of my lowest ebb, or you can say one of my lowest uh, period in my professional and my personal life. And that, that time I did not know how to handle my stress. And then, of course, you know, I went through a lot of meditation exercises, a lot of yoga, etc. cetera. Uh, but then uh, right from my childhood and when I was doing my bachelor's, I was exposed to books, writing and reading all of that. So uh, it, it actually came out naturally that um, I was writing down all my thoughts and I was also, uh, you know, uh, putting everything which was going into my mind uh, into words. So uh, I think it was subconsciously. Uh, that my first book, which came into being, uh, and I published my first book uh, when I was at uh, when I was 36. That defined 36, uh, which is you know equivalent to you know twice of 18, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it, it's a, it's a compilation of short stories. And then that time, of course, I did not want to go through the uh, you could say painful process to go to a publisher and then wait for that longest cycle. Probably that time I, I had that itch that okay. I have this work done and then I want to uh, share it with uh, across probably, you know, like-minded people or just hit the publish button. Hmm. So uh, I was exploring a lot of options, what it could be. So then uh, Kindle, uh, you know, Kindle um, draft publishing platform, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, through Amazon. Uh, So that was uh, which I came across. And then uh, the process was so simple that uh, all I just had to do, uh, upload the material which I had uh, created, uh, the editing and then the, you know, the whatever correction happens in the background so the tool itself is going to do that and then everything was like click 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 you know you choose the cover you choose the layout you choose which um, which will be the print medium when the when uh, buyers they buy that kind of product mm. so it was very simple so my first book which came out you can say you know uh, the uh, the situation which i was in uh, actually led to my other two books as well so so far all my three uh, books are all um, self published so the first one i did it through KDP, that is Kindle's uh, draft publishing platform. Mm-hmm. Second one, uh, I thought that uh, why not try GitHub, you know, so if, um, you know, everyone is not aware about GitHub. So it is one of the platform wherein um, you go and write. And it's not like that, that you have to upload or write the entire piece. You can keep on writing and then, you know, you can keep on developing your story and it's a free tool. So nobody has to go and buy that book. So GitHub was the second one, uh, which I uh, experimented. Mm. And third was uh, because, you know, uh, all this happened during my, you can say, motherhood period. So uh, therein, um, uh, I was also, of course, you know, talking to a lot of my friends who were also in the similar journey. And then uh, the project collaboration kind of thing came into my mind that uh, you know um, like my story my other fellow friends they also have this story so gang of insomniacs because I, I'm sure all mothers are insomniacs and I'm sure fathers are as well <laughs> but then uh, gang sure. of insomniacs came into being so it's a story of 10 mothers who come together and then they share the story and then you know uh, it, it's a very funny thing uh, when I started this project you know from start till end it took nine months to complete wow. so it was so funny that we were talking about that you know it takes nine months to deliver a baby so it's like nine months to <laughs> publish this kind of project so we launched that book on uh, stay on 8th of March uh, and then yeah so these three books so the third one of course I also did it through KDP and then it's uh, both my uh, books which are done through KDP they are available on Amazon mm. now another one of course you know I did not want to limit myself to fiction 
So as of now, because uh, in fact, through the entire conversation, you all will come to know that I lead management and demand generation is very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. So nonfiction in the nonfiction category, uh, this year I'm working on this concept and uh, fingers crossed, um, I'm, um, I, I hope to publish my first nonfiction um, in this subject, uh, which is very close to my heart uh, this year. And finally, have you enjoyed the process of, of yes. writing books? Yes, I think writing comes uh, very natural to me. It may, it may sound cliche, but <laughs> that's the reality. Uh, writing, uh, as I was saying, that it's very meditative. And then, and of course, it's not like that. Whatever you're writing, you're going to share it with the entire world. Mm. But it really helps you out to... Um, uh, in your thinking process, you know, what exactly you're thinking, does it really make sense? You know, it helps you put your thoughts into words. And I think um, not uh, writing fiction, nonfiction, doesn't matter which subject, but it gives you a lot of clarity um, in your both professional and in your personal life. Because of course, in a way it's communication, right? You are trying to communicate either with yourself or with the external world. Mm. So you're, I think uh, in the end, your communication abilities um, do improve. (laughs) Really interesting. Let's let's talk a little bit about working with agencies. I, I know that you've worked with um, several agencies over over your career. How do you make sure that everyone's expectations are aligned when you're working with a new agency? Uh, therein as well, I think um, when we are talking with the expectations, so then I think uh, during the initial process, when we are, uh, you can say hiring an agency or probably, you know, we are getting the contract done, etc. So the objectives and the end results really need to be very clear and it has to be defined properly and it has to be made sure that the both the parties understand and then they come to an agreement that yes this association will be leading towards this one understanding uh, from both the parties is very crucial because herein we are having an external team if we call it like that mm-hmm. external team participate in the common objectives which the organization is trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. So again, uh, the communication, the initial handling, uh, and then again, the expectation has to be really clearly laid out on the table in black and white. Really, really fascinating. And so from the point of view of how both clients and agencies get more value from the partnership, do you have any advice as to how clients and agencies can better work together so that they're both getting mutually beneficial value from the relationship uh again i think when we're talking about the mutual uh, benefits uh, so one is uh, when the objectives are really uh, laid out properly so then it has to be a win-win situation for both so because of course it also involves you know the incentives and then of course uh, whatever compensation we are talking about here so it has to be again mutually agreed and so that it leads to a beneficial situation for both the parties because um, uh, it's very similar when we are uh, hiring a person in internally right so herein we uh, uh, one person is handling an agency or probably, you know, uh, there is a very particular set of campaign which is uh, uh, on which the agency is helping out. And then uh, when the things are not very clearly laid out uh, and then, um, uh, you know, uh, the objectives are not met. So in the end, uh, we don't want that the relationship should get sour. And then, you know, this is going to be the first and the last project with that. So that's how uh, I think, uh, again, uh, things have to be laid out properly. And again, um, the training and then uh, what we call that, you know, in a layman's language, the induction has to be properly uh, done uh, for the agency or for the team from the agency who will be involved in that particular campaign. 
And and as much as agencies obviously would love to hold on to their clients forever, the reality is that clients replace agencies with increasing regularity. What are some of the most common reasons why clients leave their agencies and, and what can agencies do to avoid that? Uh, I think the most common reasons which I can cite is performance uh, with respect to the goals defined. How involved is the agency's team for the feedback provided? And how are they improvising and what are the new ideas the agency is bringing to help their clients succeed? So by working on the other points, uh, I think agencies can drastically reduce the turnover of the clients and maintain repeat business. And then, and then when it comes to briefs and planning, it, it's something that a lot of agencies are frustrated by when it comes to, when it comes to clients, because a, a good brief really increases the agency's ability to do fantastic work. Um, you know, the client sets a start and end point, uh, you know, for the project and gives the agency a really solid foundation for the strategy or the development of, of the creative work. Some have really likened that process to briefing a surgeon. It's really important yeah. that you have very clear instructions before you go into surgery. Um, with that being the case, what makes a great brief? So while preparing the brief, a client should keep themselves uh, themselves in the agency shoes and accept the fact that they do not know anything about their business. So it should be treated as a stepping stone. Hmm. So the more detailed a brief is, better outcomes can be expected. Because if we are going to, or probably if a client is going to, uh, you know, um, think about that, okay, we have given the business to the agency, now it's their responsibility to go and search it out. No, it doesn't work like that. The way um, uh, any organization or a client spends time with an internal hire, I think more amount of time is should be spent when we are working with an agency. So herein, the first steps, the more solid the first steps are, the better the results should be. Mm. So I totally agree that it has to be, you know, something related to, you know, briefing of a surgeon. <laughs> Shika, I've, I've really enjoyed speaking to you. Final question before we get into our, our speed round that we ask everybody. Mm -hmm. You've had a really successful career in B2B demand generation and, and, and marketing. What are some of your early influences that you can share with us today and, and what experiences affected the way that you approach marketing, the way you, you approach your own career development? Mm -hmm. So I have failed a lot. Uh, you know, during my <laughs> early stint, I clearly remember one senior person who had mentioned that this girl can never do marketing and does not have the aptitude to travel and handle international business. Really? Amazing. Yes. <laughs> so not only I learned marketing practically, mm. but I also excelled in handling the clients from across the globe. Mm. I proved myself by handling marketing virtually for different regions. You know, the itch to learn gave me confidence until today. And I'm sure in the future as well, learning the unknown is my greatest asset. And I value all my failures. They are very close to my heart. And I give a lot of respect to all my critics. I'm sure the person seeing you now will be shocked to see the way that your career has um, has grown and, and developed over the years. That's that, that's really fascinating to hear. Um, Shika, let's get into our speed round now. I'm going to fire some questions at you. If you can fire some short, sharp answers back, that will be fantastic. Sure. At times, we all hit low points. How do you motivate yourself? Uh, by looking at the sky and accepting the fact uh, that we are limited by our own mind. Great answer. How, how do you best harmonize your work and personal life for a healthy balance? What are some of the 
biggest challenges that you have around that? Uh, technology is the biggest challenge where you yes. can be available 24 by 7. Uh, but jokes apart, if I, I have understood that the fact that if I'm not going to take care of myself, I will never be able to do justice to my work and my family. Love that. What excites you most about your current role and position? Uh, the freedom. So the freedom which I get to experiment new ways to improve business and my team members, of course. If you weren't doing your current job in B2B marketing, what, what else would you be doing? Writing. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I should have known that. I should have known that. What vision or goal are you working towards mostly now in your career? Uh, so when I wrap up my professional career, uh, I'll be able to confidently define what is a lead and understand the new senses of lead management and demand generation. Hmm. And, and my final question, Shika, what advice would you give to a recent college graduate who wants to start their own career in marketing? Uh, marketing does not happen in silos and you cannot learn it in a classroom. That's great advice. What advice would you have given to yourself, a younger Shika getting into marketing from the beginning, what advice, knowing what you know now, what advice would you have given to yourself? Uh, speak up more and learn how to negotiate for yourself. <laughs> Great answer. Shika, thank you so much for doing this. Yep, I, I really loved the entire process, Nathan. Wonderful. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of Client Side, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear as a guest on the show, please email chloe at fox.agency. The people that make the show possible are Chloe Murray, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.